Welcome to another edition of the Five Heart Podcast. This is Todd Wolverton. I am your last minute substitute host. Greg got busy and cannot join us as we record this. So it has fallen to me. But never fear, founder of Coronation, John Damn Johnston, is here. John, yes. it's been kind of a quiet week for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. <laughs> I jest. <laughs> I don't know, whatever will we talk about? What shall we? Well, you know what? I Let's start with this. And Okay. Today was uh, National Signing Day for many of the uh, quote-unquote minor sports. Didn't check it all out, but baseball signed a, a recruiting class of 10. Men's basketball signed four. Women's basketball signed one. And I think volleyball signed five. And, of course, they're great recruiting classes. And they are going to contribute to the continued growth and success of Nebraska athletic programs. Yes. You, you, you forgot wrestling. Wrestling signed three recruits. And how could I forget wrestling? Right. That's the one I read the most about, and it just slipped right. my mind. But well, you're old. But I'm old. Yeah. And you know what? So I read all of these articles. It's an exciting time for those sports, but it could not take my mind off what happened earlier this week. What and happened earlier this week, Todd? Well, it sounds to me like uh, our athletic director and vice chancellor, he really what? is. Yeah, he's got some kind of chancellor status. Trev Alberts. Okay. Trev Alberts, the savior for all things scarlet and cream that involve bouncing a ball, kicking a ball, rolling around on the mat, swinging from bars, all things athletics. Trev Albert apparently had a conversation with uh, beleaguered head football coach, Mr. Scott Frost, the golden boy from Wood River. And he decided to say to Mr. Frost, you can hang around for another year. So what we do know for sure is Scott Frost will be back as the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhusker football team. Woo! 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 <laughs> Woo! Now, that, with that sounded step, kind of that sounded kind of fake, Todd. Well, you and I have been on record as doubting that Mr. Frost will be able to succeed as a head coach. But the majority of Nebraskans, it sounds like, or at least the majority of Nebraskans that give a damn about the football team, uh, apparently think that he deserves another chance, another year, as does Trev Alberts. So before we're so, we, we're so close, Todd. We are so close. We're close. We're close. You know, we're close with basketball, too. And I didn't even pay any attention to that, but I, I hear what we lost by one score. Oh, yeah, that's something original. <laughs> I don't want to talk about basketball. I love Fred Hoiberg, but that's because I love Fred Hoiberg. Okay. Um, 
we're not talking basketball. Let's okay. So let's go back to uh, Trev Albert's decision to retain Scott Frost, restructuring his contract. Um, just give me some of your general thoughts about that, Mr. Johnston. Well, from one perspective, you look at it and you go, okay, he saved himself a million dollars by lowering his salary and he saved the university like, I don't know, 10 million. The buyout's now 7.5 million instead of being 15 million. And that frees up room for better assistant coaches because apparently the assistant coaches we had before they were fired on Monday uh, were really subgrade because they weren't being paid enough. Even though they were the guys that Scott Frost himself hired to do the job in the first place. Well, you know, the, the debate and, and, you know, we could probably dig ourselves in quite a hole here if we were to debate whether or not Mr. Frost deserves a year, but go ahead, John, I see you raising your. Oh my God, you waited too long in my old man mind. It flew out of my mind. Let's go with a perspective that can make everybody feel better. Let's look at one positive aspect of this, okay? It just occurred to me. It's a new thought. It's hurt in my head. But uh, look at Frank Solich got fired after a 9-3 season, right? And Bo Pelini won nine games, and he got fired. And I, a while back, actually several years ago, I wrote an article about how the fan base would have been much better off if those teams would, if those coaches would have been allowed to fail. In other words, I think everybody knew Frank probably he's not, he wasn't Tom Osborne. He was going to fail just because he wasn't Tom Osborne. All right. Bo Pelini, it was pretty clear. He was running out of road at Nebraska. He burned himself out. He wasn't recruiting. I don't think he'd have won. He'd have had a winning season the next year, but we never saw that. And because of the, both those coaches were fired, before they had the chance to fail, it's left a crack in the fan base where we constantly go, well, they fired Frank. They look like they fired Frank at 93, and they fired Bo at 93. They're like, blah, 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 blah. These stupid people can't do anything right. We'd love to have those guys now. And that's constant. It's been around for 20 years. The best part of keeping Scott Frost is not just that we are so close, Todd. It's that he has one year that we know of, and he can prove it, and he can prove us wrong. And I would love for me to be proved wrong. And I guess maybe in some way, if he was fired right now, it just split the fan base completely to pieces because there'd be always be those people that are like, oh, he's Scott Frost and the connection to Tom Osborne and the quarterback, the native son. Next year, with the schedule he has, if he can't like have seven or eight wins – he's not ever going to really get a higher, a higher bar than that. So uh, maybe in some way we'll be better off in the long run for this. I, I kind of see where you're coming from with that, John. And, and I don't disagree with that, you know, back to Frank Solich and, and Bo Pelini, you know, quite honestly, anybody who has, you know, above average knowledge of college football could see that, those teams that they were coaching towards the end, they were declining in their quality. And yep. it isn't always reflected in the, in the schedule. And excuse me, it's not always reflected in the record. Uh, just as if you could argue that the quality of this Nebraska team this year isn't 
necessarily reflected in the record. Right. So, you know, sometimes you don't see, um, you know, the, the cancer maybe, you know, that's kind of growing inside of a program. And I'm not, you know, that leads to different kinds of explanations, uh, you know, if we're if, to use that term and maybe I shouldn't have, but, um, you know, so those, those programs were on the decline. And, you know, I, I think that anybody too, that has been a close observer of this program, you know, you, we have to recognize that, um, you know, the, 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 the program was in dire straits, quite honestly, from, you know, the quality of the players uh, when, when Scott Frost took over. And, you know, you've said it, I've said it, other people have said it. I don't think we truly realized how bad it was. Um, so, you know, he has had to start out, you know, further in the hole than any of the other coaches that have been hired over the last 20 years. Has he made progress? Yes. Is the program better today than it was when he took over? Yes. Now, I like what you said about, you know, he, he will definitely have a chance next year to take matters into his own hands, so to speak. Um, and I think probably you're right with, you know, the, the dividing the fan base. It, to me, it, and, you know, I don't, I don't know. To me, it's surprising that so, you know, such a high percentage of the fan base just really, really adores Scott Frost. Um, yeah. And, you know, I guess that's maybe, a, there, you know, there's another conversation we can have down the road about this. But, you know, Nebraska fans have to get off of this kick that, just because you're from Nebraska or just because you have some kind of connections to the University of Nebraska football program, that places you on a pedestal above all others when it comes to the same job. Um, you know, when, when we start reading on some of these threads and blogs and stuff, you know, where people are throwing out names of former Huskers to come back as assistant coaches, that's bullshit. Uh, that's inbreeding, you know. And there, there needs to be uh, something new and something exciting um, that, and, and new perspective that comes into this program. So, you know, I don't believe that Scott Frost is going to get the Nebraska program to where it needs to be. Something that does concern me a little bit is so he gets eight wins next year, seven, eight wins next year. In the eyes of many people, that'll be enough for him to keep his job. And then what I'm afraid of, and I've said this before, is that Nebraska falls into the state of mediocrity that so many of us have loved to point our fingers across the Missouri River at those Hawkeyes over there and their fan base just saying how they have settled for mediocrity. Um, I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see it happen either. Have you seen Brian Ferentz's offense? My have, God, I seen, man. have I seen him what? <laughs> His offense. <laughs> well, I know that we have a, a avid member of Corn Nation who is a, a dyed-in-the-wool Hawkeye fan that uh, he has offered on more than one occasion to send Brian Ferentz our way. Uh, you know, he, he'd send him for future draft picks, I think. So, um, 
Yeah. He's not very popular among Hawkeye fans. No, he, you know, I would he, imagine none. No, no. So, well, they, we had four coaches fired off the offense. Did you did you see did you see that happening? I mean, let me back up. When when the news came out that Frost was going to be retained, mm-hmm. it, it most people went right to the conclusion: well, he's going to be back, but there's going to be changes. One, it surprised me that it happened as fast as it did. He announced it. You know, not that long after news broke that he was being retained and the fact that he let him go immediately and the fact that there are four being go, being let go. All of that surprised me. Talk to me about your reaction to that, John. <sighs> wow. What was my reaction? I guess I was surprised they went that fast and that deep. You know, I mean, I, I think they. Everybody wanted Verduzco fired because, you know, Adrian Martinez and the quarterback thing and stuff like that. And um, you, you knew somebody had to go because somebody had to take the blame for this. You know, it's kind of like public executions. I was surprised Ryan Hill got fired. I guess I was surprised that four of them were gone. But I guess if, in his case, he wants to completely make over the offense. So, you know, it makes sense. You know, the thing is, the other thing is, uh, earlier that day, who was at Washington? Jimmy Lake fired his offensive or defensive coordinator to save his ass. And then uh, who was it? Dan Mullen at Florida. Dan Mullen much, fired his much defensive beleaguered, much yeah. beleaguered. Dan Mullen fired his <laughs> coaches to save his ass. So you know, let's be honest. This was Scott Frost firing his buddies to save his ass. And he pretty much, I think, said that today. Uh, you know, that, that he was willing to fire anybody just so he could keep his coaching job, which, you know, you kind of just take the word fire and replace it with the word shoot. And you're kind of like, wow, dude. Well, <laughs> you know, people like to draw some comparisons from time to time. But Bo Pelini, he went down with his ship because he refused to f- fire some of his assistants. If we remember back then, um, you know, as defensive coordinator, everybody was just screaming, 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 you know, get rid of the defensive coordinator. Uh, but Bo, you know, he stood behind them all. And, you know, ultimately <laughs> they all left with him. Uh, so, you know, when, when I heard four, that initially shocked me. I was not surprised that Greg Austin was let go. I was not surprised that Mario Verduzco was let go. The only thing that did surprise me about Verduzco is that he and Frost have been together so long. And, you know, there was an incredibly strong relationship between those two. Um, From what I've heard, and, and, you know, this is certainly unsubstantiated, sounds like Ryan Held has lost a little bit of his recruiting magic. Um, you know, apparently he's maybe kind of wearing thin a little bit on people. Uh, the, the mystery to me a little bit is Lubick. You know, um, he, he came out of, you know, he'd left coaching, was selling insurance or something like that, then came back into the game. We heard rumors that he and Greg Austin were not on the same page. Um, you know, he and Frost had coached together, so certainly – one would have to believe that the two of them were on the same wavelength, at least coming in. Um, I, I guess I, I was a little bit surprised that um, he was let go. 
Um, well, the, re the news is, is that I'm looking at this Rivals article and uh, some of the news from, I think, the presser today. Frost wants to be the CEO of the program. Well, good luck with that, because I think <laughs> his CEO qualities are his weakest. Yeah. And, you know, what, what sold a lot of people on Scott Frost is what we've all gotten excited about from time to time. And that is his ability to develop, you know, exciting uh, offense on the field. Certainly not consistent, but he's got a creative mind. And, um, you know, he, he, he will not be able, you know, and, and nor should he remove himself from offensive game planning and that type of thing. But I would agree that he needs to be in charge of the whole program. And we can't hear uh, him make comments at press conferences anymore where he says something like, you know, I wasn't paying attention to what was going out there on the field. I was communicating about what we were going to do when we got the ball next. He head coach right. kind, of, kind of position. Or uh, maybe uh, special teams is a big deal. Which he, apparently today he had some, uh, I don't know if it was Sam McCune's gaffe or Scott Frost's gaffe that he said, uh, what is it, Mike Dawson was doing a, a good job coaching yeah. special teams. Yeah. And, you know, all of Twitter blew up and uh, McCune might have misquoted him a bit. Well, I don't, you know, somebody needs to, I said this before, somebody needs to coach Scott on how he does his pressers. Well, you know, I, I agree. And, and you know, I made a comment the other day about him. Uh, you know, I posted it someplace. It would really be nice if the head coach would shave and put on some decent clothes when he stood up in front of the media. And, uh, you know, he came out in a polo. Hadn't shaved, but he was in a pair of slacks and a polo today. So um, maybe, maybe Mr. Alberts is uh, coaching him a little bit with that. Um, but you're right. Are you going to complain if he grows his hair out or something? I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, the thing, I agree with you. He needs to be coached up. And um, he maybe he will. Maybe that's going to be, you know, part of the uh, re-education of Coach Scott Frost. John, let me, let me throw this at you a little bit. Um, okay. Not, not at, I'm not asking you to throw names out there because, gee, many Christmas, you know, who, who are we to know who high-quality potential assistant coaches are? You know, it's, everybody's just, you know, throwing darts at the wall on that. Um, what would you like to see if you, if, if, if you were in Scott Frost's shoes and you were looking for an offensive coordinator – what what do you want to see out of Nebraska's offense? Um, how do you want to see the offense change other than we want to see it be consistent? <laughs> um, I want to, I want Ohio State offense under Urban Meyer that was spread with power, which means one thing, Todd. We need to hire Tim Beck. <laughs> well, you know, you and I have had to, you and I had Tim Beck conversations ten years ago. Yeah, uh, Tim Beck's a he good. Was, he he was the you know people hated him, but uh, and just so everybody listening gets this, everybody hates their offensive coordinator. Everybody out there hates their offensive coordinators. 
because everybody's so sure they could do a better job of play calling after the plays have gone by. You know, it's kind of like you should go under center when we don't score on the fourth and inch line at Minnesota because we didn't, you know, because Yant slipped and fell down. If he wouldn't have, we'd be fine with the shotgun. But, um, you know, Tim Beck was the only person, I think, out of Bo Pelini's staff to actually go on and get a Division One job. I think you're right. You know, after, yeah. well, immediately. I mean, other guys right. have landed those jobs. Right. But yeah, no, and and you know, Tim Beck has had some pretty high profile jobs. I I'm a, I'm in agreement with you. I want to see an offense that spreads the field, that has a power running game. Um, you know, and I don't, you know, people want to talk about identity and all of that type of thing. You know, offenses can be multiple, they can be diverse. You know, you can you can run one play with double wides, you know, to both sides, and then you can come back and you can put a, God forbid, a fullback, but let's pretend that I didn't say that. You know, bring a tight end into the backfield or somebody like that and run something like an offset eye or, you know, I mean, you don't have to. It's not like the old days where every play you go out there and you line up in the eye formation. Or if you're Oklahoma, you want, you know, you line up in the, in the wishbone. Um, but I, I think that there needs to be more of a power game. You know, one of the things, and I, I should have mentioned this previously, but I will now because, um, <laughs> I bitched and bitched and bitched the last three years about the, uh, horizontal offense that Scott Frost, all of those God forsaken passes to the sideline that never went anywhere because they weren't well blocked or they weren't right. well schemed or whatever the ball took four years getting out there exactly we didn't see that very much this year in fact you could probably count the number of those quote-unquote swing passes or you know as greg likes to call them the swinging gate pass the swinging gate's a little bit different play but i i didn't want to make him feel bad Uh, he's not old enough to understand this (laughs) but uh but, you know, you could probably count the number of those they threw this year on, you know, a couple, couple people's hands. Um, so that was – it was good to see him move away from that. Um, so, I, you know, Scott Frost who, – who, Whoever it is, whoever he hires in these positions, he's going to have to have a lot of faith in it. If, if he's actually going to be, I'm going to be the CEO and let somebody else call plays, then he's going to have to have – He's going to have to develop one hell of a comfort level with these guys in the next few months, you know, because I, I think that's probably the thing is uh, I have to give this up so I can do other things. And I think, you know, that that's hard for anybody to do, no matter what position yeah. they're in. Absolutely. I've been doing X for 30 years and now I need to give that over to the younger guy. And I'm going to go, you know, manage all these people and see what's going on with everybody. And that's hard to do. Do you think that they that he will replace all four of those coaches into the same position that they had that that they had before? In other words, do you think he's going to hire a wide receiver coach, a quarterback coach, an offensive line coach, and a running back coach, and that's going to be their specific duties? Or do you see him manipulating things a little bit? Um, you know, we've we've talked about the concerns with special teams. Does Scott Frost take the reins as the quote-unquote quarterback coach? Um, He'd be smart to do so. 
I mean, most I don't think most teams have a, a dedicated quarterbacks coach. And maybe maybe this is the key, Todd. Maybe the thing is, is when you looked at Scott Frost's offense at UCF, it was highly dependent upon having Mackenzie Milton, a quarterback that could make quick decisions and do things quickly and move. You know, and that's one of the bark, one of the critics of uh, Adrian is that he doesn't make decisions particularly well or fast. And I think that thing about Frost's offense is having a guy in that position that goes bang, 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 which is very difficult. So if he turns over the offense to somebody else, maybe it's not going to be so quarterback centric, you know, because this offense certainly is. Yeah. And that part could, I'm all fine with spread. This whole fullback shit is, I, you know, you know, maybe in another three, four years or five years, some guy's going to go, let's go back to the fullback and start running over all these offenses that are built to beat up the spread. But they, we're not there yet in this evolution of football, the cyclical nature of football. So I'm fine with this spread stuff. Don't have a quarterback's coach. Have an offensive coordinator you can trust that will actually, I don't know, give the ball to running back on running plays more often than having the quarterback run up. You know, having the, the quarterback, what is that, quarterback duo, QB duo, where they have the lead blocker in front of Adrian? Is that the play? I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know what they QB duo, shit. Yeah, I think it is. Something like that. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I, you know, so much has been predicated upon – Adrian, you know, since he's been here, uh, you know, you're right. Uh, a lot of emphasis on the quarterback being responsible for generating, generating offense, generating yards. You know, when your quarterback is your leading rusher, that's problematic. And um, he's been the leading rusher the last four years, I believe. And, um, yeah, you know, while, while I love to see Adrian Martinez take off and run, and I love to watch offenses that have, you know, a running quarterback, a, a quarterback that is a threat. Um, boy, you, you just don't want to be so dependent upon one person. As, and, you know, he's been susceptible to injury. And he hasn't, he, you know, it, it would be really interesting when it's all said and done if somebody could honestly say how many games Adrian Martinez actually played where he was 75% or better, you know, in terms of his, his health. So. Um, hey, wait, we should, I predicted we'd lose 56 to 10. We didn't lose 56 to 10. No, um, I predicted that we would lose 35, 21. So I was a little <laughs> closer than you. <laughs> Um, I guess I was, I was, you know, we fought through the game. We really did. I thought yeah. the defense fought through the game. The offense was their typical uh, self. And then special teams, of course, was like, I, you know, the one thing I, the one thing that bothers me a lot about that game since we, was just last week, right? Yeah, it time, was. Time, time lately is just five days ago, game. John. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, he gets down there and he, on a third and four, he's got Adrian has Levi Falk open. And yeah. he misses him, kind of like he's a first-string quarterback just starting his first game, gets all jittery and throws over the head of Levi Falk, who would have had a first down. And then Scott Frost decides to go for a freaking field goal. And I just – I looked at that and I went, this, we can't, no. Yeah. And I know that you look at it from a guy who's 
you look at it and go, well, the defense is playing well. We're going to need three points anyway. And you kind of go, no, you're not, you stupid one-score loss, son of a bitch. Maybe you need seven. And then after that, another seven and another seven, you fucking shit-ass. I just I that when we did that, I just thought, okay, how if you're an offensive lineman or a, I don't know, a receiver, you just look at that and go, why the fuck are we even here? You know, I just I looked at that and I thought, you know, you you had momentum and you threw it away, just like you threw it away when you took the safety at Minnesota. So yeah. when I look at that kind of stuff, that's what bothers me about Frost. That's where he, if you want to be successful, give that stuff to somebody else because you're not a winner in that position, sir. And I'll just bluntly say that. That part, no, don't do it. Well, I I I agree with you, John. And and you know, Scott Frost, you know, he's 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 come up short in games, but he's come up short in so many big moments, you know, uh, yeah. pivotal moments in a game where you know, the, the, the team didn't succeed. And whether that, whether that's Adrian, um, you know, in a two minute drill that lasts three plays and 36 seconds because of overthrow, you know, um, it's just, it's not, they have not performed well when they really, really need to perform well. Um, and, and, you know, that's a characteristic that, has to change if they're going to ever get over the hump. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I don't have a whole lot of faith, you know, in Scott yeah. Frost going forward. Um, you know, and well, I how, do, how do you fix Scott Frost, Todd? How would you fix Scott Frost? <laughs> it's, um, my, it's a cop out. I don't know that you can. Yeah. Um, you know, some would you have him talk to Frank Solich? Because that's what Tom Chattel wrote about. Have him well, call I, Frank. <laughs> why do you talk to Frank Solich? I don't know. Because it, you have to write a column about something. And when you're sitting and, there and there's a deadline, and why, go, why would he oh, talk shit, to Frank Solich? Why would he talk to, I mean, Tom Osborne's his mentor. And I know it, I think I read someplace or heard someplace that Tom was, you know, down on campus on a weekly basis. You know, why does Scott Frost need to talk to any of those people? If Scott Frost truly wants to improve himself as a coach, Scott Frost needs to go talk to people like, um, like Bill Belichick, like Nick Saban, like Mike Tomlin, you know, um, and, and he played for a couple of those guys. But playing for them is different than learning how to coach from them. My right. God, go spend a couple of days with Mike Krzyzewski. Go camping with John Cook, for God's sakes. <laughs> you know, Why would you wish that on John Cook? Uh, there is that. Yeah. But, you know, like, there's something. Other coaches do this. This is not something that coaches think about every once in a while. Hell, there have been a lot of coaches, and you know this as well as I do, who have found themselves out of a job, and then they spend the next year floating around watching how successful coaches run their practices. Right. Watching, you know, I mean, they go learn. They try to better themselves. You know, Nick Saban has resurrected more flipping careers of deposed college coaches than anybody else. And I'm not saying that so Saban's necessarily the guy that you, you need to go talk to. 
shit, go talk to the guy up at North Dakota State. I mean, he's still doing pretty damn good up there. He could go talk to Lane Kiffin about how to handle the media. There you go. Not a bad idea. My only concern is if he got together with Lane Kiffin, that the two of them, well, I'm not even going to go there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, but, you know, so so the program moves forward. Um, he's going he's gonna to be pretty doggone busy here uh, trying to get coaches lined up. In the meantime, uh, our beloved Cornhuskers are playing the – the two teams that you and I probably want Nebraska to beat more than any of the other teams, they got Wisconsin, and then they got Iowa. And they're going to do it without four men that have been there, you know, for the last, well, one of them, you know, well, three of them for, since Scott Frost has been here. Um, you know, I, I read today that, uh, you know, they've kind of assigned analysts and and uh, whatever other guys, other titles they have, you know, to some of those positions. But it seems to me that they're going to go into uh, both of those games with one arm tied behind their back, so to stay, so to say. And um, I don't know, maybe Frost won't have so much interference. Maybe Frost, genius offensive mind will go. I'm coming up with my own fucking game plan, Maddie. And he's caught my own plays without having to hear you bench at me in the headset all the whole game. And then just he's going to throttle Wisconsin, even though they have, like, the number one defense in the nation. And Iowa, who has, like, I don't know, one of the top defenses in the nation. We can score, like, 25 points in each of those games and win. I agree with you. I agree that if Nebraska could score 25 points, they could win both of those games. Yeah. 25 points in each game, not 25 total. 25. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, I don't know. I, uh, I Looking around at social media, Todd, there were a lot of people upset that the coaches didn't get to finish out the rest of the season and why did they fire him now and this is dumb, this isn't the way you do things. And uh, why did they fire him, Todd? Why did they? Well, um, I didn't see that on social media, but I would have been one of those people that would have questioned that too. I know, you know, some folks have said you got to move now because of the early signing day and you got to get out and recruit. You know, there's all these different reasons, but damn, you know, I, I don't know how Nebraska is in better shape to win against Wisconsin and to win against Iowa by firing those guys now than they would have been had they gotten rid of them at the end of the year. I, I don't know, but you know, I mentioned that chatter thing. <laughs> the headset will be that much. There'll be less talking and jabbering. Well, hopefully Scott, um, will have some success because uh, I we can't we can't finish the year three and nine and and really not go through the off season just like in this this and go oh yay I can't wait till next football season. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way: if the 
if the staff had stayed through the end of the year, I think Nebraska beats Iowa. I don't know if they beat Wisconsin, but um, so something, maybe it's just my heart that thought they could pull it together against Iowa, but um, I don't hey, know. Who knows? Who knows? Any day, Todd. You know what's surprising to me? Yeah, I think the biggest surprise out of all of this, and I haven't brought it up yet, we have seen zero players uh, in. They, they, I, I expected somebody to already be hitting the transfer portal, and uh, we haven't seen that at all. Yeah, so, you know, that that is kind of interesting to me uh, as well. Um, I, I think we're going to see yeah. players hit it, but – yeah, it is kind of interesting to me that that we haven't seen that happen. Um, you know, maybe maybe some of them are just sitting there thinking, "What the hell just happened?" You know, um, anything. Yeah, but young men can be brash, though. You'd think one of them would go, "Fuck this shit, I'm out of here," but nobody <laughs> did. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me throw something else at you that was a little bit of a surprise to me. You know, that kind of falls on top of this a little bit um on uh slack today one of our one of our friends posted a chart that um ranks the big 10 conference schools with the exception of northwestern um who's not required to report their financials because they're a private private school but they of the 13 teams 13 other teams in the Big Ten Conference. Nebraska ranks seventh in total spending for football. That shocks me. That absolutely blows my mind. I would have thought without question, they would have been at least top four, if not top three. Yeah. Now, in the meantime, the revenue is higher than one, two, three, three of the teams who spend more than them. So that that absolutely blows my mind, John. Well, I don't know what they're doing with that. What are they doing with their money if they're not spending it on uh, football? Are they, uh, I don't know, having wild parties, giant parties? Maybe they're spending it on media equipment, better cameras, better stuff for doing streaming video, microphones. Well, <laughs> they are funding other sports. But, you know, Ohio State, to nobody's surprise, has generates uh, – well, they, do they generate the most or the second most revenue? Oh, the God, it's got to be. It's the most. No, Is it Mi- second? Michigan – Michigan, uh, Michigan generates $10 million more uh, for football than Ohio State does. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, but Ohio State spends $13 million more than Michigan does. Um, you know, it, it, Ohio State funds more sports than Nebraska does. Michigan funds more sports than Nebraska does. Going to guess Penn State probably does as well. I haven't paid that close attention to Penn State. Um, But then Nebraska does fund more sports than Iowa, 
than Michigan State, I believe, and I think more than Wisconsin, um, or at least they'd be close to those four. Um, those other three. It, I don't know, John. It, it, just, it just really surprised me that Nebraska is that low compared to the other schools in the Big Ten. It doesn't make sense either, especially with Scott Frost wanting a 150-person you know, roster. You'd think that by just sheer feeding people at the training table that they'd be spending more money on that. Obviously, probably we don't know what the recruiting breakdown is here or how much money they're spending on recruiting, and that's probably one area in which uh, I, I, we could improve. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, um, Ohio State spends $24 million – more on football than Nebraska. And that $24 million is more than Illinois spends at all. <laughs> so, um, what, what are we going to spend more money on? Assistant coach salaries? I don't Maybe know. Maybe they're broke, Todd. Maybe they don't have any money. Maybe they're broke. The athletic department needs bake sale. Well, there you go. And I've, you know, I, <laughs> I could do a whole series on how spending in athletics in college athletics is totally out of whack, but I, I guess more so than anything, it just, it just really surprises me. Um, you know, shoot, Nebraska bought those charcoal suits for a hundred and however many 150 players so that they could wear a nice suit and a white shirt and a red tie. Uh, when they ride from the Cornhusker hotel, to the stadium so that they looked presentable when they, you know, did the stadium walk. They're not wearing, you know, any Adidas apparel anymore. They, they look like guys dressed up to go to the prom. They look good. Yeah. And you know how hard it is, you know, you know, guys that didn't own a suit in college. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Had to borrow, you know, a suit from the skinniest fucking guy on the planet. (laughs) <laughs> so you know the the so the season's winding down um we, we're in the middle of a of a bye week uh, i suppose next week we'll get a little bit try to get geared up a little bit for uh the wisconsin game quite frankly um uh, i guess <laughs> i i don't know how i feel this week um it's kind of, it is, I'm not apathetic, but it is what it is. Well, you said we weren't going to talk about basketball. So they lost, they lost their first game by a point. Yes. Um, Big, big flipping deal. Did Uh, you watch? You didn't watch. I do not. I, I'm not I'm not a basketball fan, John. I okay. I'll watch from time to time, but I I want to watch the mass singer and the voice. Oh God, dear God, this is what's <laughs> become of you. <laughs> oh man. Well so, so what happened on the mass singer, Todd, tonight just before we started? Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols was unmasked as the jester and I'm not even going to go into it. I just thought it was pretty cool that Johnny Rotten was on the mass singer. Was he an asshole? No, he really wasn't. 
Oh now, my God, the age has got to him, man. He say, well, he he was a wild card guy. Uh, the dynamics of the show are weird, but he was a wild card. Last time he was on, he sang a rocker. I can't even think of what it was. Um, oh, pour some sugar on me. I think is what it was, and he nailed it. I mean, he 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 just was awesome. Are you serious? Yeah, singing Johnny Rot. Yeah, he sang a rocker the first time, and he was really good. And then tonight he came out and sang, uh, "I am a man of constant sorrow." Oh and my he, God! And he sang it with this way blown out of proportion Southern accent, and it sucked. I mean, it it absolutely sucked, which makes sense because that was Johnny Rotten giving the big old double middle finger yeah. to the whole idea of this mass singer. Right. It was Johnny Rotten. Wow. Okay. One, one thing before we go, are we going to go soon? We probably should go soon. Yeah. Probably should go soon. Okay. Which one I, I, I bought, I bought BTN plus so I could watch basketball and I did watch the basketball game. We didn't rebound. Uh, you know what else we didn't do, Todd? We didn't rebound. We're the shit, and I'm sure they're going to work on that. What we didn't do is the same thing the football team does, is we didn't finish down the stretch. Early in this game, we made all of our free throws, and then toward the end of the game, I think it was Trey McGowan's had the chance to make two free throws and put the game away, and he missed them both. But I think the thing about this team is when you look at this team, uh, we have more athleticism than I've ever seen on a Nebraska basketball court at one time. We have Trey McGowan's and Bryce McGowan's. And when you watch Bryce McGowan's play basketball, he is like the smoothest son of a bitch that's ever worn a Nebraska basketball uniform. Uh, just smooth, like glass. You know what I mean? And then his brother, Trey, who's been here a year, he is just, he's like Brad Davison. You know who that is, Todd? The, you know, right? Flop Sconson. Hit the yeah. guys in the nuts when they're going by. That guy, yeah. cheap bastard. Trey McGowan's, I hope, becomes Brad Davidson for Nebraska basketball. Just a nasty son of a bitch that fucks with everybody on the floor and pisses people off. He, that's what he does. So you got smooth and nasty between the McGowan's. You got Casey Tamanaga out there who played really hard, didn't get a lot of time. We need to see him shoot more and play defense. I think it'll be fun. I don't know if we're going to be any good, but that'd be fun to watch if you just want to watch things go wild, man. Yeah, I, I just based upon what I've heard and what I've read and the fact that, you know, I worship the ground that Fred Hoiberg walks on, even though I'm not a basketball fan. Um, I just think he's a phenomenal coach. He's a phenomenal, a phenomenal, yeah, phenomenal human being. Um he, this team will win. This, the team that he has right now will win. Now, where they're going to end up, who knows? But um, I, watched, I watched enough Iowa State games back when he was there that um, Iowa State could just look like a stinker. And, you know, three nights later they come up and they look like, you know, a Final Four team. And, and then they can sustain that. So – um, that team still needs to figure out who's going to step up, who's going to be the guy who, who wants the shot, you know, who's going to be the guy that can carry the team on his back for a little while. Um, once, once they figure some of those things out, I, I have no doubt that this team will play very well. 
So anyway, we got basketball. It'll get better. Wrestling's coming up. Volleyball team, you know, is kind of in a little dip right now. But, um, you know, tournament time, I've, I've predicted all along that when they, uh, when they start playing in the tournament, it's going to be a completely different looking right. team. Um, he's, he's moved some people in and out. Um, maybe uh, at some point they'll get the attention of the two, you know, super seniors um, who will step up and, and play at a level that we're all used to watching them play at. Um, if not, he's got a bunch of freshman girls that have had a lot of experience and we'll see how they do. So anyway. Minnesota and I, Minnesota and Iowa, since we're not doing a prediction for Nebraska, Minnesota and Iowa play this weekend. Um, I predict ugly. <laughs> uh, probably yes. Uh, well, you know, here, here's what's going to have Iowa fans paying attention. It's going to be whether they play that uh, Padilla or whatever his name is. Am I saying or the, the quarterback that they, oh, yeah. you know, Iowa's got a quarterback controversy and they have avoided quarterback controversies for the vast majority of Kirk Ferentz's tenure there. And it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes down. But um, quite honestly, I hope PJ rose them all the way back to Iowa City or wherever the hell they're playing this weekend. Um, who's, I agree. It'd be fun. Is Minnesota still leading the West? There are four teams with a four and two record. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Purdue, and Iowa all have a conference record of four and two. And then and one, uh, of them, one of them's going to get to play Ohio State or Michigan State. It's there's still a lot of football going on. I mean, November is always the funnest month. Yeah. Well, this is you know just the way that they the schedule sets up this year. You know, and maybe this was by design. You know, Nebraska is going to play, in my opinion, its two closest rivals. Iowa's playing its rivals, you know, um, at least in the West. So that makes it exciting. And in the East, holy smokes, you know, uh, we just got a little taste of that with Michigan playing Michigan State, you know, just, what, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, Ohio State, we got Ohio State-Michigan yet. We got Ohio yep. State. I think we got Ohio State, Michigan State. Yep. Um, and then Penn State's probably got to play one of those guys too. Um, you know, yeah, the, the next three weeks, the next three weekends, there's going to be some exciting games in the Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, so l- let me ask you one more thing, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Um, I, I, you know, I think that the uh, football playoff rankings are just a bunch of horseshit. But <laughs> – what do you think? What do you think about Oklahoma being, you know, they're an undefeated, you know, Big 12 team. And are they are they like 10th? Or are something? they eighth? Aren't they? Yeah. Are they well, eighth? Let's look it up. I think it was eighth. They are where the hell are they? Georgia, Cincinnati, wait a minute, that's the AP top 25. What the hell am I thinking? Oh, 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 let's, let's go with this. 
Uh, Oklahoma is where the hell is Oklahoma? Eighth, yeah. I was okay. right. Nine and oh, nine and oh. They're below Michigan and Michigan State at eight and one. Uh, and then there's Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State at two, three, and four with eight and one records also. So so where's Wake Forest? Twelfth at eight and one. So think about this. Two of the five major conferences are right now way on the outside looking in. ACC yeah. and, the, and the Big 12. Right. And, you know, we're talking in the top four right now, we're talking two from the SEC, uh, one from the Big 10 and one from the Pac-12. Uh, Is this not what you expect when you have Iowa's athletic director in charge of this shit, Gary Farda? Oh, I, 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 I'm not surprised at all. And yeah. they will find a way to screw Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati, they will. They'll, they will, you know, if they go undefeated, there will be some way that it will happen that somebody's going to knock them out that absolutely, well, they deserve to be in there right now, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I'd go for that. But I mean, it's nothing else. God, give us something new. And I, do you think here's the here's what I'd ask about this? You think they're going to stick Georgia and Alabama in this thing just so they can go? People have fatigue of seeing the same teams when they're purposely doing it so they can expand and make more money and give their bull buddies more money. That could be. That could be. But you tend to be on that side politically with all the conspiracy theories. So um, I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I guess, yeah, okay. Um, hey, the earth is flat, Todd, you fucker. Anyway. I, know. I, know. <clears throat> I don't know. I just look at this and you go, uh, was the BCS not a better solution? BCS was definitely a better system. It was definitely a better system. Unless you got, you've got money out of it, then this is a much better system because of all the money they're making. I, mean, I don't know. It's, it's just true. You know, to be honest with you, John, I really don't care. I don't care. I, um, last year during the playoffs, I watched one of the semifinal games and I watched part of the championship game. I just don't care. Um, I don't know. Whatever. Well, All right. we're out Let's of things. Yeah. We're out of things to, to really have a chat about. So we're going to wrap it up here. Um, we'll, sign off and we want everyone to uh, remember that five hearts are all the hearts that you need. I don't even know if I say that right. It's okay. Until next time, John. Go big red. That wasn't very inspiring. (laughs) Hey, it's basketball season and it could be fun. It's volleyball season. It could be fun. Who the hell knows what's going to happen next? Yay! Go Big Red! There you go. Sayonara, folks.